Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, What the f? Are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 upfront for 3 months plus taxes and fees, promo rate for new customers for a limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I want to tell you about Michael Howe, a fearsome, cruel and infamous bushranger who terrorised the people of Van Diemen's Land after being transported there as a convict. Michael Howe was born in Yorkshire in 1787 and he began his life as a sailor. He worked in the Merchant Navy for a while and then in the actual Navy Navy uh, before deserting and trying out the army instead, but then deserted once more. So... Seems like the bloke really didn't like rules or, uh, you know, being told what to do. And to his credit, he stuck to those principles throughout more or less his entire life, as you'll see. And there was one rule in particular that he really didn't seem to have very much respect for. And uh, that rule was, please don't steal other people's things. Thank you very much. In 1811, he was convicted of highway robbery. Won't be the last time he gets involved in some highway robbery. I can can tell you that. And this directly led to him being uh, sentenced to transportation. He was uh, sentenced to seven years uh, at a penal colony, uh, the penal colony of Van Diemen's Land, or Tasmania, as it's known these days. And so in 1812... How arrived in uh, in Van Diemen's Land. He was part of two shiploads of convicts that were sent over. And the work assignment he was given as a convict was uh, to labor, uh, labor away as a servant for a wealthy farmer and merchant, a bloke whose name was John Ingle. How, however, he had other ideas. Again, he was not one to be told what to do. He promptly left Ingle's service straight away and escaped Hobart and fled into the bush. And there he quickly fell in with a gang of bushrangers, outlaws essentially, who were living rough off the land, robbing, murdering, doing whatever they needed to do to survive. Uh, bushrangers were a very big part of, uh, of col- colonial Australian history. Of course, we've talked about uh, probably the most famous bushranger in Australian history. No, not even probably the most famous bushranger in Australian history, Ned Kelly, episodes 20 and 21, get across them. And Michael Howe was yet another bushranger, but he set himself apart, uh, as you'll discover, for uh, his cruel and barbaric conduct uh, while he was out ranging the bushes of Van Diemen's Land. Anyway, he... Uh, and other bushrangers at the time, they took advantage of the fact that the governor of Van Diemen's Land at the time, Thomas Davy, was a bit bloody useless, to be honest, and seemed to spend more time boozing than he did going after uh, going after bushrangers, which more or less gave them free license to terrorise the, the poor people in Van Diemen's Land. And the gang that, uh, that Howe fell into was known as the Whitehead Gang. It was huge. It had almost 30 members, and it was led by a fearsome man named John Whitehead. Whitehead was another escaped convict who had turned to bushranging. Um, and I'll tell you this, the tales of his criminal activity back in the old country before he was transported, they will have you quivering in fear at how heinous they were. This is, uh, this is not a story for those of a delicate temperament. I, I do warn you, because he had been transported all the way back in 1801 for... Steal yourself here. <clears throat> Four, 
Stealing two pairs of pants, apparently. Yes, that that was enough to get you done and sent off to Van Diemen's Land. Imagine that. Anyway, the Whitehead Gang, uh, they, were the, they were the scourge of Van Diemen's Land under John Whitehead. They were raiding and looting various settlements across the colony, uh, nicking anything that wasn't nailed down from farmsteads and homesteads and even sometimes within the larger towns themselves. And uh, in order to do this, they had an extensive network of convict sympathisers who not only helped them avoid the law, but also let them know when particularly big scores were available, directing them towards mail coaches, or if there were any wealthy people who were taking a trip across the colony, they would almost always run the risk of uh, being on the wrong side of Whitehead Whitehead and Howe and and the rest of their gang. Um, But it wasn't just convicts who aided uh, Whitehead's uh, gang of bushrangers. No, some of the corrupt settlers and landowners also aided the bushrangers. They helped them in rustling their neighbours' stock, for instance, and then helped them in uh, fencing stolen animals and stolen goods. So the Whitehead gang, they had a very good thing going. Plenty of money and booty coming in. The government and the law powerless to stop them. They're living off the fat of the la- Well, they're living off the fat of other people's land, I, uh, I suppose. But all the same... It was a harsh and it was a brutal life, bushranging, and uh, it was men like Michael Howe who seemed to really be cut out for it. The Whitehead gang was known not just for their cruelty to their victims, but also for their cruelty to each other. And Howe, who seems to have been a really a bit of a nasty pasty, he, he flourished in such circumstances. For instance, um, after he took up with an Indigenous woman who was also part of the gang, known as Black Mary, um, one of the other bushrangers tried to give her a nice shawl that he'd stolen as a, as a gift, and Howe responded to this by shooting and killing him, just like that. Howe also helped to murder another gang member in far more horrific circumstances. This bloke was suspected to be a government informant, and Howe responded by procuring a large pair of slippers, filling them full of bull ants, and then tricking the poor bloke into putting on these slippers. Uh, He was then essentially tortured to death by thousands and thousands of bull ant bites, uh, which made it very clear to everyone else in the gang how Howe was going to deal with any potential traitors. Uh, But this cruelty was very, very good for his career. I will say that before long, he had risen to the position of Whitehead's deputy. And... uh, with men like Whitehead, men like Howe running roughshod over the colony, um, bushrangers more broadly in Van Diemen's Land, they got so bad that help had to be brought in from New South Wales, from the colony up north. Governor Davey was so useless that the New South Wales Governor Lachlan Macquarie had to step in. In 1814, he deployed troops to the south and he offered an amnesty to bushrangers, which would expire at the end of the year. Uh, so any bushranger who came forward before the end of, of 1814, they t- if they turned themselves in, they would be pardoned of all their crimes. And the Whitehead gang, very pleased to hear this. Great, they say. We can spend the rest of the year getting some proper crime done and then hand ourselves in in December, no worries. So believe it or not, this amnesty uh, that was promulgated by uh, Governor Macquarie, it actually saw bushranging rise, not fall, because all the bushrangers knew that they could act with impunity. They could steal and rob and kill as much as they liked. And then at the end of it, just accept the government amnesty. And this is just what Howe did. In December 14, after six months of depraved criminality, he finally handed himself in. Okay, fair enough. They say, no worries. You accepted the amnesty. We'll wipe the, we'll wipe the slate clean for you. There you go, Howe. You, you know, we've, it's a fresh start for you, my friend. And he goes, oh, big bloody relief, fantastic. Off I go straight back into the bush to get stuck into more bushranging. He immediately, after having received his pardon, he went straight back to his old ways. And why wouldn't he? He had a great thing going. So this amnesty had 
done nothing to curb the bushranger scourge across Van Diemen's land. And so Davy, sick, sick of now attempting to use carrots, he started to instead turn to the use of sticks. He declared not only martial law, but also declared that bushrangers faced summary execution when caught. And it was this, at last, that brought down not Michael Howe, but his boss, John Whitehead. Emboldened by Davy's declaration, soldiers tracked bushrangers down. And one day, while he was robbing a house, Whitehead was caught by the law and shot to pieces just like that. However, check this out, right? The only way that you could claim a reward on a bushranger's head was what, was by presenting, well, the, the head in question, right? And so in light of this, right, Whitehead and Howard actually made a pact. They'd made an agreement that they would, in the event that one of them was killed, decapitate them and abscond with their head so, you know, these bounty hunters couldn't collect on the reward that was offered. And this, after Whitehead was shot, this is what Howe did to him. When Whitehead was shot, Howe cut off his white head from his white body and fled back into the bush with it, bamboozling the soldiers that were seeking a reward by leaving them with nothing but a headless corpse. But with Whitehead now quite dead, Howe took over the leadership of his, his bushranger gang. And for, for Governor Davy, it only got worse from there because Howe proved to be an even more brutal and an even more efficient leader of these bushrangers that Whitehead had been. Howe began to run his gang with military efficiency, right? He took over the leadership of this gang. He brought change and reform. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't change any of the core values, right? The cruelty, the barbarism, the stealing, the murder. Those were the, those were the things that were keeping the gang together. These, again, as I say, the core values of these bushrangers. But no, he regimented the gang now with his, with, I guess, his, his experience as a, as a member of the Navy, member of the, member of the army. He brought military discipline to these bushrangers, running his gang like a like a, a detachment of soldiers. There were strict rules set out for these bushrangers under his command. If they broke these rules, they'd be punished. Um, some of these punishments are quite punishments are quite funny. Um, they'd have to go and uh, chop and carry extra firewood, for instance. Uh, but others were others were less humorous, uh, more traditional. Uh, you know, just getting the lash, for instance. But now that he was in charge of this military-like gang. Howard started to style himself, firstly, as the Lieutenant Governor of the Woods, uh, but then later on in 1817, he gave himself a promotion and started calling himself the Governor of the Rangers. Um, he's also said to have kept a journal during this time written in kangaroo blood on kangaroo skin, uh, but sadly, this journal, if it even existed in the first place, uh, hasn't survived. But in any case, the depredations of his gang continued. Uh, Howe's men went around robbing and stealing and killing, just like before. But their most shameless gig uh, was when they went after Governor Davy himself. At some point in 1816, Howe led a raid on Davy's mansion. His gang broke in, they terrorised the servants, and they demanded the servants cook and serve a meal for, uh, for him and his men. And the petrified servants, of course, not knowing what to do, they, they, they did what he asked. Um, and so the gang tucked into, into some ham and eggs from Davy's pantry at Davy's table before then stealing a bunch of stuff, including a dictionary, uh, which one of Davy's servants was brave enough to ask how to, uh, to bring back once he'd finished it, uh, finished with it. Uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe Howe just wanted to fix up the spelling in his kangaroo journal. But uh, in any case, he agreed to return the dictionary. I, I don't know if he ever did, but he said he would. Maybe he never got the chance because uh, Davy was, as established, pretty bloody useless. And it wasn't long before he was dismissed from his position as governor, 
the British colonial colonial authorities essentially just bribed him to go quietly. They gave him a massive land grant worth thousands of pounds, millions in today's terms. And uh, Davy promptly failed to cultivate anything on his land, drank away his fortune and died in near poverty. So, so much for him. Unfortunately for Howe, however, uh, Davy's successor was much more up to the task as the governor of Van Diemen's Land. His name was William Sorrell, and upon taking office, he quickly bolstered his force of police and soldiers. He cracked down on the sale of weapons and increased the rewards on all the bushrangers who were still at large. And this made the business of bushranging much more difficult than it had been. And how, as one of the most violent and notorious and wanted of all of the bushrangers, he had uh, quite a price on his head, and it wasn't long before Sorrel's soldiers were after him. Sorrel even brought in indigenous trackers to use their knowledge of land and country to track Howe down, and it wasn't very long before they did so. It was a desperate life, bushranging, and laying low was very difficult when your only way to survive was to rob and steal and therefore draw a lot of attention to yourself. And so whenever Howe popped his head up anywhere, people were chasing right after him, emboldened by Sorrel and his efforts to catch Howe. Bushrangers in Howe's gang were picked off one by one, and eventually in early 1817, Howe abandoned his gang altogether, taking with him only his girlfriend, uh, that, that woman I talked about before, Mary. But even she wasn't indispensable to this monstrous bloke, because when he was finally tracked down uh, and, and set upon by a group of soldiers, Howe jumped up, he pulled out his gun, and he shot, not the soldiers, but Mary, the poor bugger. She, she was just left there bleeding out before he ran off, right? Now, why did he do this? There are different competing theories. He may have thought that she would dob him in if they were captured, to you know that she would give evidence against him, and so she he tried to kill her before she could have the chance to do that. Or he may have just felt that she was going to slow down his escape. In any case, he shot the poor woman, woman before fleeing these soldiers, but luckily Mary survived and, as you might expect, immediately defected over to the side of the law, working alongside the other Indigenous people that Sorrel had put on the case to track Howard down. She firstly led soldiers to some of the uh, some of the gang's hideouts that she knew, which were then duly burnt to cinders, uh, and then continued to try to track Howe himself down as well. But Howe, by this stage, he he felt the net tightening around him, right? He'd abandoned his gang. The soldiers are after him. He realises things aren't looking good. And so he sends Governor Sorrell a letter. He offers to turn himself in in exchange for a full pardon. Now, he's tried this before, and uh, so it... it, it it's uncertain whether he's going to be as good as his word this time around. In any case, Sorrel agreed. Howe emerged from the bush in 1817, handed himself over to, over to the authorities, who kept him in Hobart's prison while he was waiting for his official pardon to be issued. And he was something of a celebrity in Hobart, although he was perhaps more infamous than famous. And uh, he was allowed to walk around the town every now and again under military escort to, you know, stretch his legs, take the air. But after three months of waiting for his pardon, which was not forthcoming, he eventually got sick of uh, how long it was taking. And on one of these walks, he gave his escort the slip and fled into the bush once again. The third time he'd done this, he's bloody gone and done it once more. Howe made contact with some bushrangers that were still at large. Some of them were former colleagues, in fact, uh, and he fell in with them back to his old ways and once again rode to lead this gang. However, this promotion wasn't necessarily unanimously supported by the bushrangers he was running with. Uh, some of the others, uh, they needed some convincing in order to quell their concerns about his leadership and how, you know, I will say, he offered them some very persuasive arguments that meant that they stopped their objections almost immediately. Uh, with one of them, he cut the bloke's throat, which certainly stopped his complaining, and with another fella, he smashed his head in with a rifle butt. So, 
Again, very persuasive. That was that. Howe was in charge once again. Sorrell raised the bounty on Howe's head even further, and by 1818, people are now coming to Van Diemen's Land specifically to track this bastard down and claim the reward. Howe, whose gang was obviously up to their old treks under his leadership, they realised that he had to do something, uh, and so began to make plans to sneak aboard a ship and sail, escape Van Diemen's Land altogether, going over to the United States, leaving leaving behind his criminal past, uh, seeking another fresh start, this time on the other side of the Pacific, but he never got the chance. In September 1818, he was finally tracked down by an Indigenous tracker named Mosquito, who led a soldier named William Pugh and a convict named Thomas Worrell to find him. Howe fought like a madman when he was cornered by the three men, but he was overcome, and the life of Howe, the governor of the Rangers, finally came to an end as Pugh and Worrell beat him to death with their rifles. They then cut off his head, as you do, and took it back to Hobart to claim the reward. Pew, the soldier, he got the lion's share of the reward. Worrell, the convict, he got a smaller amount, but he did get his freedom as well. And Mosquito, the indigenous tracker, got absolutely bugger all in the grand tradition of Australian race relations. But even with Howe's death, his story lived on. Sorrell's secretary, a bloke named Thomas Wells, wrote an account of Howe's life called The Last and Worst of the Bush Rangers of Van Diemen's Land, and that title ended up being half true. Uh, how I think you could argue, was probably the worst of them, but he certainly wasn't the last. Uh, but interestingly, the last and the worst of the Bush Rangers of Van Diemen's Land has actually been recognised now as the very first piece of general literature in Australian history, which is very interesting to think about because the first ever feature film, not just in Australia, but in the world, was about Australia's most famous Bush Ranger, the bloke I mentioned before, Ned Kelly. Episodes 20 and 21 get across him. Apparently, we just... Really love a yarn about bushrangers over here, it seems. Anyway, the story of Howe's life, uh, it was also adapted into a play staged in London called Michael Howe, The Terror of Van Diemen's Land. And it was only a few years ago that a film called The Outlaw Michael Howe premiered over here on the ABC. So even if he isn't as infamous as old mate Ned Kelly... Howe nonetheless remains one of the most well-known and certainly one of the most interesting bushrangers in Australian history. I mean, for all the for, for all the excitement of the tale of Ned Kelly, Kelly never murdered anyone via bull ant, did he? He never shot his girlfriend, and he certainly never ate breakfast at the governor's own dining table. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.